That came in loud. Uh, good morning, Third Street. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Rachel. I have the distinct honor and privilege, not just of bringing the word today, but of being married to Corey Hunka. Um, so, so that's my life on a day-to-day basis. Um, but no, I am, I'm excited to be with you. Uh, it's been a while since I've been able to bring the word, because uh, pregnancy lasts a very long time. And now I can breathe through full sentences. So it's good to be back. Uh, right now, we are in the midst of this series that we have called The Book of Joseph. The Book of Joseph. I'm very excited uh, about this series. One of my favorite things that I get to do is brainstorm the sermon series with Corey. And when he said yes to a whole series about things that aren't actually in the Bible, I was so excited because we have a lot of those things. We have a lot of those things in our culture. And in week one, um, Corey talked to us specifically about where the book of Joseph comes from and this idea that Satan has this strategy and tactic that he does where he takes a true statement and he makes it, he twists it in a way so that it still sounds true, but it no longer is. And that is what the whole book of Joseph is about. Because the book of Joseph, that sounds like something in the Bible, right? Or at least some version of the Bible. There's, there's a few really key guys named Joseph in the Bible, so it sounds likely that he would have a book, but he doesn't. It doesn't exist. And then last week, in week two, KT talked to us about this phrase that we use when we say, God knows my heart. And that's a true thing. That's a very true statement. But what we do is use it to act out of pocket and then feel better about ourselves. That's not how God knows my heart is supposed to be said. God knows my heart is something that we should be doing to move closer, to look more like God, to have a heart that reflects God, that looks at the people around us and views them the way that God does. It's not an excuse to gossip with our friends and then be like, but God knows my heart. I'm a good person. That's not how that's supposed to be used. And today, today I get to talk about one of my favorite Book of Joseph topics. And I'm just going to put this out there right now. I get real fired up about this topic. So just go with me today, and I need you to remember that I am Italian. And so when I talk loud, it's not at you. When my arms flail, it's just like it's something that that I'm working on because I've realized that like being on the other side of me when I'm like that is a little bit much. And so I just know I'm going to get fired up and I'm going to probably get real Italian today because what we're talking about is the Proverbs 31 woman. (laughs) We're going to talk about the Proverbs 31 woman. And before we do that, I just need to put this statement out there from the get-go that she is not who you think she is. The Proverbs 31 woman is not who you think she is. Church, this, uh, this passage has been very traditionally taught as a dating resume. Right? You guys are laughing because you know that it's true. It's funny because it's true. This has been taught as a dating resume. What's happened with Proverbs 31 is that typically, especially in youth groups, when, when kids get to like dating age, right, uh, the men get sat down and they're like, let me tell you about women. Women can be deceptive. That's what it says in the Bible. Let me tell you about Jezebel. 
let me tell you this story about a man named Samson. And then after that, they go to Proverbs 31, and they start in verse 10. They start in verse 10, and the first verse, it says, A wife of noble character is hard to find. She is more precious than rubies. And they tell men, see, a wife of noble character is hard to find. When you're dating, you got to look for a woman of noble character. And then they go through verses 11 through 31. They take the next 20 verses to be like, this is what you need to look for. Find yourself a Proverbs 31 woman. And then they look at women. And they're like, women, a wife of noble character is hard to find. She is more precious than rubies. Don't you want to be a ruby? Don't you want to be a ruby? Do you know how beautiful that is? It's sparkling. It goes on jewelry. You should be a wife of noble character. Let's look at verses 11 through 31. And these are all of the things that you need to do. Boom, 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 boom. Do these things. And you will be a Proverbs 31 woman. That's what we do. That's how we teach this. But let me tell you something. What is the phrase that Corey uses all the time in this church? The dangers of casual reading. The dangers of casual reading will allow you to read Proverbs 31 and hear it in that way. The dangers of casual reading will take you to the uninspired subheadings that were never in the Bible. There's something that people added later, and they will let you go to verse 10 where you see that little subheading that says a wife of noble character. And you'll start reading and be like, dang, that's a checklist. (laughs) You're going to look at that and be like, I could never be that woman. Or you're going to be a man, you're going to look at that and be like, I could never find that woman. But let me tell you something. Nobody can because she's not real. She doesn't exist. And the uninspired subheadings will keep you starting at verse 10. But go to verse 1. Because Proverbs 31 is a whole chapter. It's not a chapter that starts in verse 10. Chapters start in verse 1. Nobody starts reading a book and they're like, let me get halfway through chapter 1. I bet that if I start halfway through chapter one, I'll be able to pick up enough and this will still be a good book. No, it's not how you read anything. So why is that how we read the Bible? So we're going to go to Proverbs 31. We're going to read the whole chapter, all 31 verses. We're going to start in verse one today. Proverbs 31, beginning in verse one. The words of King Lemuel, a pronouncement that his mother taught him. What should I say, my son? What son of my womb? What son of my vows? Don't spend your energy on women or your efforts on those who destroy kings. How ironic that we have taken the passage that is literally not about dating and made it about that. Don't spend your energy on women or your efforts on those who destroy kings. It is not for kings, Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to desire beer otherwise. He will be drunk. He will forget what is decreed and he will pervert justice for all the oppressed. Give beer to one who is dying and wine to one whose life is bitter. Let him drink so that he can forget his poverty and remember his troubles no more. Speak up for those who have no voice for the justice of all who are dispossessed. Speak up, judge righteously and defend the cause of the oppressed and the needy. That sounds so different than than what I've heard. 
And now, who can find a wife of noble character? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will not lack anything good. She rewards him with good, not evil, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like a merchant ships bringing her food from far away. She rises while it is still night and provides food for her household and portions for her female servants. She evaluates a field and buys it. She plants a vineyard with her earnings. She draws her strength and reveals that her arms are strong. She sees that her profits are good and her lamp never goes out at night. She extends her hands to the spinning staff and her hands hold the spindle. Her hands reach out to the poor she extends her hands to the needy. She is not afraid for her household when it snows, for all in her household are doubly clothed. She makes her own bed coverings. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known at the city gates, where he sits among the elders of the land. She makes and sells linen garments. She delivers belts to the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she can laugh at the time to come. Her mouth speaks wisdom and loving instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the activities of her household and is never idle. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Many women have done noble deeds, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Give her the reward of her labor and let her works praise her at the city gates. See, when we start at verse 1, what we discover is that the audience of Proverbs 31 is a grown man king. It's an adult man. Proverbs 31 was not something that was written to women. It was something that was written by a woman having a discussion with her son with her son who we know is a king, with a son who is getting ready to choose a queen in a culture that didn't at all value women. And what she does is she's talking with her son who's about to be king and she starts off by looking straight at him and saying, forget women, forget women. She looks at him and she's like, what's so much more important is that you are a man of character. What's so much more important is that you are a man who isn't just out here getting drunk because you know what happens when you're out here getting drunk? You treat people like garbage. You're going to forget the rules of this kingdom. You're going to bypass all of your character and I'm your mother. You're also gonna forget all the ways that I raised you and you're gonna start treating people horribly. So be a man of character, not a man who goes out on Saturday night and gets plastered and then treats people like crap. That's how she starts this off. She's lecturing her son about not taking his privilege and his position and using it as a way to treat people horribly. And then as she goes on, she says, and while I'm at it, don't just not do that. Be someone who cares deeply about the world around you. Be somebody who cares about oppressed people in your kingdom. 
Be somebody who's going to look at what, you, at what you're leading, at everything that is in front of you, and you're going to be a voice for people who have been oppressed. Be the kind of leader who cares more about your kingdom having nobody who's living a life of injustice. Be somebody who's going to take injustice and use your platform to stop it. And while I'm talking about oppressed people, let's talk about women. That's what's happening in the first 10 verses. How can we bypass that? Proverbs 31 is so much more than a dating resume. Proverbs 31 is a mother looking on her child and saying, take responsibility for your life. What she does after that is she looks at her son who's about to be king and she rattles off this list speaking about all of the things that women can do and can bring to the table. So she starts off and she's like, hey, women can be trusted, by the way. I know that's not what our culture says, but women can be trusted. And then she keeps going and she's like, women are good, not evil. Women can create things with their hands. They can handle business dealings. They can nurture their household. They can plant and be successful in agriculture. They are physically strong. They are profitable in the marketplace. They care for the marginalized. They ensure that their house is provided for. They create clothing. They have great wisdom. They are never lazy. They raise their children. They fear the Lord and their character is so known that when you go to the city gates, you hear about the women in this city. Do you know that son? He rattles off this whole list, or she rattles off this whole list of who women are. And that is something that we need to focus on and remember clearly. The first point I want you to take home today is that Proverbs 31 is descriptive, describing who women are. It is not prescriptive, telling them who they should be. This is not a checklist that we need to hold over the women in our lives, the daughters we are raising, the kids in our youth group. This is not something to hold over their heads and say, this is who you need to be. This is a celebration that looks at women and says, hey, this is who you are. Let's praise who God made you to be. What this mother is doing with her son is looking at him and saying, do not look at a woman for what she looks like. Instead, you need to look at everything that she can bring to your kingdom. You need to look at all the ways that she can enrich your life. That's what she's doing here. His mother is talking about women collectively, not one crazy woman who apparently never sleeps. That's not what's happening in this passage. She wasn't telling her son this so that he can walk through his kingdom with a checklist and be like, mm, you're doing great in this area, but have you seen verse 20? You're slipping. That's not what he's doing. That's not what she tells him to even do as he's looking for the woman that he is going to marry. She's saying, hey, son, look at all of this amazing stuff. Look at all of these amazing things that women can do because so much can be added to your life. Be careful. Be careful because culture is going to tell you otherwise. You know, in, original, in the original Jewish culture, Proverbs 31 wasn't even memorized by women. Because like we said in verse 1, the audience of Proverbs 31 is, is men. And so what would actually happen in traditional Jewish culture, 
the man of the house would stand up at Shabbat dinner, at the Sabbath dinner. Happened every single Saturday because they were way better at keeping the commandments than we are today. And every Saturday, Jewish culture entirely shut down. And at the Sabbath meal, the husband would stand up in front of all the guests that were present. And he would recite Proverbs 31 over his wife. He would stand up in front of everyone and he would praise her and say, my wife, my wife is so amazing. This is who she is. This is who God created her as. And he would praise his wife in front of everyone present by reading this beautiful Hebrew poem. He didn't stand up there in front of everybody and be like, my wife was killing it in one through 29. But man, she's slipping in 30 and 31. So y'all, let's hold her accountable for the next two weeks. I'll see you in a couple weeks at the next Sabbath dinner and we will check in. That is not what was happening. This was a praise over his wife. He would stand in front of everyone and say, look how amazing this woman is. Look who I get to share my life with. And that's what she's saying to her son. You get, you get to choose someone to be the queen in this kingdom and look at all the amazing things she can add to your life. But there's something even more than that that she's doing in this passage. We need to connect a few dots in scripture to realize the huge significance of this. So, Proverbs as a book. Proverbs as a book was compiled by a guy named Solomon and a couple other people. Solomon. Solomon is known in Israel, God's people. People, the whole Bible, the whole Old Testament is focusing on. Solomon is known all throughout Israel as being the wisest king that there ever was. It's recorded in the book of Kings, 2 Kings. It's recorded in Chronicles. You can find all this stuff about Solomon and how wise and how smart he was. And you also find this warning that is given to Solomon by God. God looks at Solomon and he's like, Solomon, I need you to hear me. Don't commit the sins of your father. You know who his father was? David, who took a whole bunch of wives, including somebody's wife that wasn't even his. And he had somebody killed over it, and there's this whole big scandal. It's the story of Bathsheba. He says, don't commit the sins of your father. Do better. View women differently. Be smart. And you know what Solomon does? You know what else Solomon is known for as we connect dots? Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. So this man was king for 40 years and managed to have 1,000 women. That means that he picked up a woman as often as I go to Aldi's. Like I go every other week and I get all my groceries. Solomon went every other week and got a wife. Like that's what happened in his reign as king. And you know what happened? Israel ends up, at the end of Solomon's reign, getting split into two. They become Israel and they become Judah. They become a divided kingdom. The entire nation of Israel ends up getting wiped out. Judah ends up being one of the only things that's left. Him and the, uh, the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin, they're the only things that end up left. Solomon strayed. And everyone, every king after Solomon pays for it. Solomon also put together the book of Ecclesiastes, 
that when we look at Ecclesiastes, we see so much lament. It's a man in his old age saying, man, I should have not have turned from God. And so as we connect a few dots, what we see is the wisest man who ever lived. Um, he regrets his drastic mistreatment of women. And then in Proverbs 31, we see the way that we should have treated women. So if we put a whole bunch of dots together, we discover a lot of correction that is happening. Proverbs 31 is correcting the cultural view of women as commodities. Saying, hey, women are so much more. The culture when this was written was when women could not hold jobs, women could not inherit anything from their families. It's why having a son was so important. It's why when you go back to the book of Genesis and you see the story of Judah and Tamar, you see Tamar going to great lengths to ensure that she gets the son that is promised to her because that woman is left for nothing when her wicked husbands are smited by God. She's left for nothing because she didn't have a son. Women couldn't inherit anything. She couldn't get anything when her husbands died, and she couldn't get anything from her father because women were not seen as whole people. They were seen as objects to be called on for sex, which is how Solomon ends up with a thousand women. That's how women were viewed. And if we really want to go there, which I do, this is something we still have to learn today. 2,000 plus years after this was written, we still haven't figured out how to treat people. And I'm saying people. 2,000 years later, I still work in a job where week after week, do you know what I do? I review the stories of survivors of human trafficking. That's what I do. It's really depressing most days. That's how I spend my time. I sit on calls and I hear about the rescues of women and little kids. I heard about the rescue of a 10-year-old. You know what I want to do? I want to live in a world where I don't have to celebrate the rescue of a 10-year-old from sex trafficking. I really would love that. I want to live in a world where I'm not worried about people becoming hashtags. And that's what she's talking about. In verses, in verses, where is it here? In verses 7 and 8, 8 and 9, she gets going and she says to her son, hold on, where's it? Jada, can you pull up verses 8 and 9? I had it in my notes, but I'm so far off my notes. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. When we get to verses 8 and 9, she says, go down one more. Speak up, judge righteously, and defend the cause of the oppressed and the needy. Who? Nah, whatever. Speak up and judge righteously and defend the cause of the oppressed and the needy. That's what comes right before this list. Why are we not focusing on that? She's telling her son to be a leader and to be a king who's going to take care of all 
of his community, of all of his people. Third Street, you know that we helped open a drop-in center for people who have experienced trauma in their lives right up the street. We still need this. Y'all should be angry at the way that, uh, that we have settled for a book of Joseph belief system surrounding Proverbs 31. We should be mad about that. I want to live in a world where I don't have to defend my children from people online, where I don't have to train them about creepers sliding in their DMs. I want to live in a world where I can send my kids to school and feel okay about it. Not where my kids come home and they tell me, hey, mom, you know what we did at school today? We did a training and a drill in case a dangerous person walks into my school. That's the stuff that she's telling her son to care about. That's the stuff that we as a church should be caring about. We should be caring about taking care of the oppressed and the vulnerable in our community, not worrying about if our Tinder profile has a checklist met from a Bible passage that makes somebody want to take us to the movies. We should care way more about verse 9. Listen, 10 through 31 are great. As long as you're viewing them as people as a whole and you're taking the first nine verses into consideration. Those are way more important. The Proverbs 31 woman is not even close to who we have thought that she is. She's not this woman exhausting herself for the hopeful approval of others. She's not this mythical woman that you're going to run into at Walmart and suddenly be like, there she is, that's my wife, Proverbs 31 woman, found her mom. That's not what this is. The Proverbs 31 woman is a woman who cares deeply about justice and is educating her son on, on all of that, is educating her son on the way to run his life, who to look for. The Proverbs 31 woman is someone who looks at everyone around her and can celebrate them. Can we talk about that for a minute? She's taking the first nine verses and saying, hey, the poor, the needy, the oppressed, the people who've been held down by society, uplift them. She cares about them. Proverbs 31 woman is a mother who realizes that this next generation coming behind her has got to do better than the one ahead of her. She's looking at her kid and saying, care about this group of people because this group of people matters. Proverbs 31 woman is a woman who's looking at her son and saying, use your privilege to uplift others. Use the place where you've been put in life not just to fill your house and, and your life with things that make you look cool. Use the position that you've been given in life and give that platform away. Give that to other people. Uplift those around you. Let them use their voice. And then she takes 10 through 31 to say, and here's all the amazing things that I've seen other people do. Here's all the amazing things that I have seen other people do that are worth celebrating. Because 10 through 31 is not about her. That's not stuff that she's done. She's looking at women around her and saying, here's all of the things. Here's all of the things that they can do. And so what I want you to take away 
Women, celebrate, don't compete. Celebrate, people. When you look at another woman and you see something that's happening in her life, I don't want you to think to yourself, man, I want that for me. I want you to think to yourself, man, I love that for her. And say it out loud. My gosh, why, why are we so willing to trash people? And this is for everybody. Why are we so willing to trash people online? Man, celebrate them when they do good. Celebrate something that you see that's good. When you see it, say it out loud. Say it out loud. Yes, Sylvia, it's called a compliment. Celebrate, don't compete. Celebrate, don't compete. And men, men, if you are raising a daughter, if you are raising a daughter, I beg of you, give her the same respect that you would give a son. Amen. Teach her the same things that you would teach a son. Teach her all the same stuff. Teach her, teach her budgeting. Teach her how to use tools. Teach her how to build things with her hands. Teach her to love math. Teach her to love science. When she brings home a sport or something that she wants to try, be like, you know what? I would love to do that with you. Take her, take her into the backyard. Take her down to the park and teach her how to do agility drills. Teach her all of that stuff. Man, we live in the Venus and Serena Williams time of the world. Women can do anything. Listen, teach your daughters. Don't wait for a son. Let me tell you a big fact. We, our house was not trying for a boy when we ended up with one. We were very happy with our three girls. And you know what my three girls do? My three girls play sports. My three girls are great at math. My three girls are so good at science, and they love it, and we do science projects with them. And our son is a bonus. We were never disappointed. Men. The women in your life are so capable. They are so, so capable. Do not forget that it is a woman who stood behind you for your whole life and got you to where you are. And so the one that you find yourself with, allow her to stand behind, beside you. Do not push her behind you. She is capable. And that is what this mother is saying to her son. She's saying, when you choose this queen for your kingdom, let her be beside you. Do not shove her in the background because she's capable of so much. And I got one more church. Church. Let your women do more than run women's conferences and the kids' classes. Let us do more. Celebrate the women who are doing those things. Man, thank God for all of those things. Thank God for Maquita and the amazing work that she does. But you know what? Maquita, Maquita can preach. Maquita can do so much. She runs our kids' stuff and runs Tikva because she wants to. Church, make space for your women. Make space for your women because I promise you when we walk into traditionally male spaces and we only see one seat and we're the one woman invited, we see through it. We know what you're doing. And you know what? We are way less likely to compete with one another 
when we know that there's more than one seat for us. We are way less likely to compete when we know there's room. When we know that there is room and we are welcome, that we're not just there so you can say, listen, I support women. I got this one chair in my room of 50. I got one whole chair, and I let that woman make it herself. Listen, we know. We see it. Church, be a place that celebrates and honors and respects and loves women because the Proverbs 31, the Proverbs 31 woman, she's actually a mother who was fighting for women to be honored in their culture. She's a mother who was fighting to have a son who wasn't okay with the way that culture was treating women. And she's a woman who was standing up for oppressed people because she knew what it was like to be one. The Proverbs 31 woman is not who our church traditionally has taught that she is. The Proverbs 31 woman is so, so, so much more than that. And so Third Street, I hope and I pray and I believe that going forward, we will be a church who does not settle for the Book of Joseph version of this chapter. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who gives us scripture that is still so applicable and still so needed today. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who cares deeply about all people, not just some people. And Lord, we pray that as we go forward throughout our days, Lord, I pray that you would take a word from today, and Lord, as we wake up tomorrow morning, that the things that you want us to remember would be the things that stick in our hearts. Father, I pray that you would wipe away any words that are mine, and Lord, I pray that only your truths would stand. Lord, I thank you for who you are, and it's in the precious name of your son, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen.